Hello, everyone. Welcome to another fantastic edition of the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. Joining us today is Matt Richardson. Matt, I already forgot where you said you were uh, based, but can you remind me of what uh, lovely town uh, east of Toronto where you, where you reside? Oh, certainly, Dominic. Thanks for having me. I reside in beautiful Quinty West, Ontario, Canada. I look forward to visiting there one day, Matt. Um, you know, you, you and I have connected over LinkedIn, and I absolutely appreciate the friendship uh, that we've developed uh, this past little while. Um, it's amazing how platforms allow us to, to, to connect, you know, and um, uh, I was wondering if we could maybe just start off with maybe a bit of your backstory, you know, uh, enlighten our, our viewers and listeners, because I, I think, again, you're just amazingly interesting human being. Um, I wonder if we could just maybe just start there. Well, thank you, Dominic, and right back at you. Um, I, have a, I have a really nonlinear, unorthodox background. Uh, so I'm one of those people, um, if you didn't go to university, you couldn't, you know, have the grades, there is lots of opportunity. You're looking at one of them. My actual background is pertains to what I do now. I work in InfoSec and OpSec, Operational Informational Security. I am the Director of Intelligence and Investigations with the Anti-Human Trafficking Intelligence Initiative. And prior to that, I did Predator ID work with a different uh, American NGO named Innocent Lives. For years before that, I've been teaching about the prevention of human trafficking and online exploitation. And if I look at it, the three key junctures for how I got to where I am, my background, uh, number one, I became a father. And those of us out there that have um, overnight, my values, my priorities changed, my dreams and my nightmares did. And I became very rather dedicated to finding ways to educate children, my son included, as well as others on how to be safe around people. We used to call it stranger danger in the 80s, Dominic. You might remember McGruff the Grime Dog. But I designed modern programs around tricky people and behavior that were designed for young children. But it grew into online safety, cyberbullying prevention. It led to me getting an open source intelligence credential through um, Toddington International, accredited by the Ontario Police College, to which I've used to create innovative, um, timely, and current relevant online safety programs to hopefully help prevent exploitation. With, the, um, with that came um, my sort of my introduction or my um, induction into the predator ID work and investigative side, which I've been doing for around a year and a half at this point now, where we, I do everything from um, open source intelligence or dark net intelligence, predator ID work on sex traffickers and predators, um, to up to and including coordinating and helping initiate large-scale complex operations involving law enforcement agencies, financial institutions, and um, a number of other stakeholders. Um, Matt, you know, I, I, and I, I truly believe that you know, like, like people like you do such incredible work to protect very vulnerable people. And um, you know, often in, in countries like Canada, people will say, "Oh, you know." Human trafficking doesn't happen here, right? That that happens elsewhere. Um, but what, what does what does human trafficking look like like in in Canada right now? Like, is is that something that people are maybe not thinking that it is an issue, but it, it actually is? It's actually a commonplace, Dominic. I'm super glad you mentioned that because people are shocked at things that I take for granted for knowing. And it, it, the fact is, it is here. It is not an overseas phenomenon. It's in our backyards. It's the girl and the boy next door. It's in your community. It's in mine. 
it looks very different from what we know on television. We've seen the movie Taken. We have seen those scary Facebook stories about people getting kidnapped off the 401 corridor. The reality is traffickers in the days before the internet went to shopping malls, they went to, or the predators too, they went to bus stops. Remember arcades, Dominic? To play the good Vaguely, I do. (laughs) They went to arcades and college campuses and playgrounds, and they still do. Where I see things being different now is social media and the internet. Social media is the shopping mall in 1984 for bad guys. It is the, it is the 21st century version of the same thing. Where the, what it really looks like is they can at low risk with relative anonymity anyway, they can groom 40, 50, 60 or more kids at one time with very little risk or investment of time into the sex industry or into meeting them for exploitation. It's easy and low risk. And we're all out there online. And many of us exhibit um, behaviors online that get their attention. It could be provocative usernames or posts. It could be vulnerabilities, which are not weaknesses, Dominic. I have vulnerabilities. You do. They're a human thing, but they exploit them. So it actually is very much not like taken. It takes days, weeks, and months where they groom, seduce, and manipulate young people into feel falling in love with them, offering them the better life. And they gradually will recruit them into the industry. And very importantly, Dominic, I hope the answer is not too long, but they don't always get lured away, whisked away forever. They can be going to school. They could be living at the home still, but there could be unexplained absences where they're away for a few hours here and there at hotel rooms or in some cases, not even they're right from the rooms going into private video live streaming channels and being exploited for profit by the pimp or the predator. So the reality of human trafficking, it is here. It is more subtle. It's less dramatic than we might see on TV, but it is a clear and ever present threat. Matt, you know, you mentioned earlier about you know, becoming a parent and how that transformed your values. And, you know, that, that very much resonates with me. I mean, the way I saw the world as a 20 year old is became very different when I became a, a parent, you know, in, in my late twenties and you now having two, two kids. Um, what, is there something that parents can do to reduce the likelihood of, of, or let's say the success of these types of, of, of predators? Like, it, is it being more engaged with your kids online? Um, I'm assuming it's not a simple answer, but uh, what, what are things that parents can do? Um, Dominic, it, it is astonishingly simple. We don't give ourselves enough credit as parents. We know human behavior. We know what things bad people might do to trick kids. We're the, the red herring in the 80s was the stranger in the trench coat with a beard trying to lure kids with candy bars into a van. The reality at that time and today is no one was looking for the 19-year-old son of the neighbor back home from college. And people who harm kids know them. It's stranger danger is super rare. The red herring today, in my opinion, is the apps and attack. It, It came up yesterday. I was teaching at a school. TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, um, uh, Fortnite, Roblox, Minecraft. None of them are really evil. It's the people that we decide how good or bad they are. 
Some have better mechanisms to be sure on reporting abuse and monitoring content and stuff for sure. But we, we shouldn't become concerned with being experts at technology or knowing all of the features of all the apps. It's not humanly possible. It isn't for Dominic, for you. You're an expert and I am. I can't, you can't. If we want safe children and our families to be safe, as parents, number one, be present and engaged in their lives. How was your day? Did anything good happen? Oh, wait, I've noticed you've been a little bit quiet last few days. Is everything all right? Good old-fashioned old-school parenting wins the day. Kids with present and engaged and loving parents in family units are safer kids. And that, by nature, is how we can best protect them. It's something we all know. I, I absolutely love how you said that, man, because, you know, um, I hear so often parents saying, oh, um, you know, can, how can I install a, you know, a tracking device on my you know, son or daughter's cell phone? What, what app can I use to uh, track them? And again, it's like you said there, I mean, technology wasn't the problem. So technology is not going to be the solution, right? And I think that's just a, an incredibly profound answer you gave there and that you know, ultimately the solution does, does lie in the parenting. Um, t t tangibly or actionably, let's say you are a parent and you are concerned that your son or daughter is, you know, in, you know uh, slipping away in, into this type of world. Are there resources or groups or um, organizations that a parent could reach out to, um, especially let's say, you know, if the son or daughter is being standoffish or not giving an answer, what, what um, like I said, what, what, what opportunities are there for, for a parent to, to, to dig further? That's a great question. First of all, what are the red flags? They are the same as they were in 1983. Are they exhibiting behaviors that are outside of their norms? Do they have a completely new circle of friends? Do they have strange new tattoos or markings? Do they change their dress or their wardrobe? Maybe they're more provocative or less. If they dress conservative all of a sudden, maybe it's because something happened. Um, are they all of a sudden missing school when they don't normally? Like as a part of their regular behaviors, the, the, that's the first stage of it. But if we start to see red flags, by the way, monitoring devices, as long as they know that we're doing it, we're not being sneaky because all that does right. is breach trust and we drive underground. If you spied on my phone, Dominic, would you and I be friends anymore or would I be put yeah. off? Right. <laughs> Vice break versa. The trust there. <laughs> if a parent says to their child, I am going to monitor, I need your passwords. But if you agree to that, I'll let you do these things. That's on the up and up. If we suspect the worst and our kids aren't opening up, there's a couple things I suggest. With my child, my older one's 11, you know, going on 12, he's right in that spot where I've got to really watch him. And I, what did I do? I did tell him I monitor. No secrets, no surprises. No, I don't use any spy software. That stuff doesn't work anyway because it looks for a lot of it looks for keywords. Right. They talk <laughs> like your friend. They don't talk gross. So it's automatically kind of not my jam. Okay. Um, having conversations with my family is. But if the other thing I said, Dominic, would you agree? You and I are similar in age. Did you ever make a mistake when you were 11 or 12 years old? You wouldn't want dear old mom or grandma to know about? That's a good question. Yeah, no, I this this uh, hell is probably mistakes yesterday. I don't want them to know about. <laughs> Absolutely. I did too. Yours truly included. So what I've said to my son is if you've made a mistake or something's happening, you know, you can come to me and mom. If you don't want to, you can go to uncle Bobby, aunt Ashley, or cousin Sean. 
They're adults that we all trust. And I've told them, if you go to them, they're not going to tell on you, but I trust them to help you. They know how to help you. So give them options on that. The third, there are a lot of community agencies involved that, that can help counseling services, uh, law enforcement departments. If you have a real, like an emergent threat, what I suggest Dominic for parents is take screenshots and prepare for the conversation with police or if it's school officials or both, they want to help you, but we have to help them help us. So keep a record and documentation of anything, if it's grooming or predatory behavior, or if it's bullying for that matter, keep a record of it and be prepared for the conversation they want to help. We do have to help them help us. Matt, this is just such a uh, very impactful episode. You know, this is something which we, you know, through uh, 100 plus episodes we've we've done, um, we've not had the opportunity to to, to dig into. You know, and um, I know for the especially for the parents that are listening and uh, watching today, um, this is I, I know this is something which can be deeply impactful and, and a lot of powerful wisdom um, from you. Uh, and I'm very very appreciative of that. Um, one more. Final question, because we are on, on the home stretch here. Um, with with um, you know, just back to the sort of the parenting style stuff um, in homes where maybe you know there is um, a divorce, and you know the child spends time at the mom's house and dad's house, but parents have different parenting styles. Um, how how would how would one broach that? You know, let's say there's in one environment where it may be a bit more structured, but the other one uh, where it, it, it's it's not. Um, what, what, what can one do there? Is that just sort of just the, the way things are? It, that's a great question. That's a tricky one, but it's not uncommon where parent A is really switched on, engaged, monitoring, and providing barriers and limitations on access. Parent B is just completely hands-off. We can't change parent B's hands-off approach or laissez-faire approach. We can affirm why it's important and why mom or dad who introduces those limitations and barriers does so in a sort of love and introduce what can happen at an age appropriate level. Here's a news story. Here's something that happened here and here's what we can do to avoid it. And why mom or dad enforce these rules, make it age appropriate, relevant and understandable. We can't change that person, the other parent, but we can reaffirm and justify and help our children buy into the structure that we've introduced. That's the best that we can do. It's not perfect. But it's the best we can do. Uh, the other thing I, I, will, I also say is if we're talking about risks online, balance the conversation with some of the great things technology does. Crowdsource funding, family right here in Quinney, West Ontario, a humble farmer up the road from me raised over $60,000 for a family with a four-year-old that had leukemia to go to a children's hospital so they could afford the treatments, the hotel rooms. There, those are conversations. The narrative can't only be negative because our children and our teens will tune that out. Talk about the good things. Talk about the neat things, the medical advances, the games and the apps they like. Why do you like them? How do you use them? Can you show me and teach me? Balance it and you will have their ear. They love to talk about it. Even Nick, Dominic... Even the surliest teenagers, most of them are surly, enjoy talking about tech. And they enjoy being asked for their advice and their expertise. These are all opportunities to have conversations that are fruitful, beneficial, establish trust and bonds, whilst 
being balanced and showing our kids that we understand. And Dominic, if there's one thing I can add just for parents out there listening, I don't know about you. I was born in 1978 and I made mistakes in the late 80s through the mid 90s. I am super glad I didn't have social media around at the time because there's no permanent record anymore or at that time. Everything I did then stayed there. Our kids are under a lot of pressure and a lot of what Dominic people say to me, I don't understand why would they do that? It's actually normal coming of age behavior, except now you have a permanent record of everything, video, audio, posts. Give the kids a little bit of a pause, breathe and say, how would I have been looked at that age? And that will help you as a parent understand because they're not doing things a lot different than we did. It's just, there's a lot of pressure now that we didn't experience as kids growing up prior to the internet. Matt, your, your, your profound wisdom and, and the, the knowledge that you shared today has just been absolutely illuminating. Um, definitely going to have you on the show again because I know there's other things that we can talk about as well, but this has been just a, a really, really insightful conversation. Grateful to you, my friend, for uh, taking time out of your day to, to join us. Thank you very, very much. Thank you for having me, Dominic, and thank you to everyone who tuned in. I hope you enjoyed and, and maybe learned a thing or two. And uh, on that note, we want to make sure that we do thank our loyal listeners and viewers for tuning in uh, today with us with Matt Richardson. Uh, if you want to check pr- uh, previous episodes, do check out the Cybersecurity Matters YouTube channel uh, or sh- uh, check out previous episodes on your favorite podcasting platform. Until next time, be well, be safe, and we'll see you again on the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. Mm-hmm.